You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Welcome, Sid Talk. Welcome. I'm I'm engrossed in something at the moment. I just built a city in City Skylines and I've completely flooded it within about one minute. I'm not feeling good about it. (laughs) What is City Skylines? City Skylines is a game where you build a city. (laughs) It's basically SimCity, but better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I've flooded them out. I I haven't played for so long, I forgot how to control the river and things, so it's not good. These poor little digital people. (laughs) Probably all going to die. (laughs) There's a big sad face at the bottom, so I think that's bad. So our before the after the show discussion was... Oh, you were on the phone to your mother. Correct. I wasn't For an extended period of time. <laughs> <laughs> I love my mother. Don't get me wrong. I get it. Some, not everyone has their mother, so I get it. Like you. However, my mother is, you know, she's my mother. She's not a saint. She's not perfect. I am, so that's what makes it difficult. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, she is a saint. She's not. She's really not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the weekend of Saturday, June the 23rd. This is after the show number 536. We're a movie review podcast. We review a movie every week. And this week's movie is Tomb Raider. It released, It's a 2018 movie released on Blu-ray June the 12th and 4K. You can pick it up now. It's rated PG-13. <clears throat> and it's from our friends at Warner Brothers who sent us a copy for review, and Sid Talk will give you the short synopsis of the movie Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider, really? Needs a synopsis? <laughs> and I'm going to cough, so I'm going to pause. I mean, it's Tomb Raider, you know? It's got a young lady whose father was a something to do with trying to find and uncrack the mysteries of some mysticism things. Was he an archaeologist? Old archaeologist trying to find, you know, I don't know, conspiracy theories about groups trying to control the world, blah, blah, blah. I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying it's Tomb Raider. If you haven't heard of it, just watch it. But it is a young lady on the hunt to raid tombs. It's kind of in the title. Where does it come from? I don't know. Is it a true story? Is it in the Bible? Or is it a video game? Video game. There we go. It's a video game. So actually a long-running series of video games uh, dating back to the PlayStation 1. Does that endear it to you more or are you more picky about it? It's um, getting onto the movie Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there has never been, still to this day I don't think, a very, very good video game movie, right? They usually... I don't know. I think that's what people keep saying, and then they feed into it and believe it. I don't know if that's 100% I mean, true. I feel like I've seen most of the video game movies that come out, and I can't say they are all super great. I try and look at them uh, from the perspective of not playing video games as well. Mm-hmm. Which is how you should. But. I think they might be better if you've got no knowledge of the source material. Like like Re- the Resident Evil series is one that's springing to mind. If you are in love with the Resident Evil games, which I am, I've played all of them, 
and you watch those movies, they're not a patch on the games. They're, a, they're, they're to you. Yeah, and then when they do introduce characters in those games who you know in those movies that you know from the games, it's almost always wrong or not what you're expecting as a game. Yeah, that's so unfair. I hate that. It's unreasonable. So I've never been like blown away by a video game movie. Remember Hitman? How bad that one was? It wasn't great, but I didn't <laughs> play the game, so I don't care. I wouldn't compare it anyway because I don't see the point. A piece of art, it, whether you want to argue that video games and movies are art or not, they are a creative endeavor that to entertain that didn't exist and someone created them and now they exist. Remember the piece of art, <clears throat> Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, but again... It's just not a good movie. It doesn't matter what it's based on. There have been many bad movies, in my opinion, that have been just original pieces of original scripts. It's irrelevant about the source material. If you can enjoy them both and separate them, that's the best option. Anyhow, um, with Tomb Raider, <laughs> I, um, I am a very big fan of the original Tomb Raider movies, both of them, Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider The Cradle of Life. Angelina Jolie was Tomb Raider, was a Lara Croft back then. I watched, rewatched them recently, because they're on my Plex server, and uh, they're really cheesy and of the time, <laughs> but they're still really fun. And I say that, like, fun, like, in a tongue-in-cheek kind of silly way. Like, we know we're a video game movie, and we just like being silly, you know? And uh, they're still fun. I like the second movie better than the first one. So knowing that they're redo, you know, re with the video games. If you're not familiar with the games, they actually rebooted the video game story completely um, in 2013, I believe. There's three games in this trilogy of games, and this new Tomb Raider movie <clears throat> is based on those games. Um, so it's got a it's a different origin story for Lara Croft and a different kind of take on her. It's more, in the games at least, it's like a more gritty and a bit more violent and less kind of comic booky. So this movie takes that and it actually follows mostly the story of the first game with some of the second game as well. But, um, so why it didn't 100% work for me as a, as a Tomb Raider movie is because it is... I don't know if it's because I've played the games, that it's super predictable and there are no surprises in it, right? Mm, yeah. Nothing. I can see what... I'm watching it and I kind of know what scene is coming next and most of the time I'm right. But you also read the Hunger Games books and still enjoyed the movies. Right, but this didn't... Yeah, but the Hunger Games movies actually differed from the books a bit and... The visuals and uh, were things. There was things in it I wasn't <laughs> expecting. But in this movie, Tomb Raider, it's almost like just watching that video game unfold again, but with real people, and it's fairly predictable. These are, I'm going with the bad things first for me. Okay, I think it's pretty predictable. There's some bad dialogue in this movie where mm -hmm. people are just like saying things that don't seem natural at all. <clears throat> Agree. And the action is... I liked the action parts, but there is some pretty off CGI in this, I think. And... Oh, you think? <laughs> where Absolutely. it actually ends up 
um, is not. There's no surprise. Like the ending is exactly what I was expecting. You know, the tomb, the raid one tomb, exactly one tomb in this movie. <laughs> it's pretty underwhelming, even compared to the Angelina Jolie movies, which she raided a couple of tombs or maybe three in in the second movie, and they were kind of more interesting. In this one, they tried to kind of like hark back to the video games. Oh, here's a puzzle. This is the coloured gem puzzle and this is the when you step on the rock and the things come rolling at your puzzle they, they were trying to reference the video game a little bit too much and in the movie it doesn't work as well because it just comes across as like oh look that's what they're doing now we've got to put the colored gems in the holes and then we'll get through the door you know in a game that really works because you need in a game you need a puzzle to solve but in a movie you're just watching her put some Rocks in holes, and then that, and then a door opens, right? It doesn't work as well. Yeah. So they're the problems I had with it. Um, the, on the good side for me, I really like Alicia Vikander as um, Lara Croft. I think she, it, this new version of Tomb Raider in the game, she pretty much embodies that. You know, she looks like it, first off. She's not English, yet they didn't go overboard with her accent. Did you notice her slipping in and out of the accent? Kind of. I didn't really like the accent, to be honest. It wasn't like the Lara Croft accent that I associate with Lara Croft, which is like what Angelina Jolie was doing, which is kind of very London-ish, kind of posh London person. This one was kind of uh, nothing, really. Just generic English person. Yet Absolutely. She's, yeah, she's not actually English, so... Um, but yeah, she embodies the character... The way she looks, she's got the right, the right body shape and everything, and the muscles. She is muscly. Yeah, she got really... Actually, she isn't that muscly. She got really muscly for this film. Like She she wanted to really look like her. And she does. They give her the video game costumes. You know, they've got the right amount of dirt on her and stuff. She looks, <laughs> She's right, I think. Um, But then you've got, like, a bad guy who is kind of like a cartoon. Yep. You know? <clears throat> Yep, yep. Definitely not my favorite part. I mean, I liked him. Basically. And uh, I like the idea that he's just completely unsalvageable. I like yeah. that about bad guys. And yet, the way he does it, it's it was not great for me. No, I'm, I, would, I don't want to put video games down because some video games have excellent stories, excellent acting. Take The Last of Us, for instance. True. But some vid- when people say, oh, that movie felt like a video game and they kind of put in video games down yes there are some terrible video game stories and acting i mean some of them you're like oh rolling your eyes all the time because they're pretty low level and that buddy felt like a low level video game character who there's no surprises he does exactly what you think he's going to do all the time and uh spoilers he falls off something <laughs> at the end you that's know? a quick spoiler if you haven't watched this movie just go watch it yeah, well, I mean, he's a bad guy. He falls off something. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really... That falling off thing, I don't think it should be allowed anymore. It should be the law to not have that. <laughs> for how to get rid of a bad guy. Uh, so, and what else did I like? I like... Oh, this is what I really liked. It is shot very, very well. It looks awesome all the time. One thing I noticed about this movie is... You know when they try and make movies really moody and film everything in the shadows and you can't see half the things? And yeah. You're like, oh, God. There's none of that in this movie. Even when they're in a dark tomb, you can see everything. It's really detailed. 
at the beginning when she's in London, it's all very well shot, very well lit. I did notice that there is no time where you're like, what's happening there? Because it's so gloomy and dark, I can't tell. There was none of that, which I appreciated. Um, And then there's, what else is there? There's like, there's a couple, would you say there's like, Three set pieces in the movie, really, when it boils down to it. There's like the bike chase at the beginning. Yeah. There's the bit where she's going over the waterfall with the plane. And then there's the tomb, right? That's it, isn't it? There's three set pieces of action. Two. Oh, maybe three. four, because she's on the boat as well, when the boat starts to go crazy. Yeah, I feel like that was melded into the airplane part, but yeah. Yeah. So it's not super full of action, to be honest. Um... It's a two-hour movie as well. It's not like a brief one. It's it's a bit longer than normal. And it kind of... I, I wanted to love it because it's Tomb Raider. And, you know, they set up a sequel at the end, obviously. But it's not great, is it? Oh, it's not your Tomb Raider. No, I, I'd actually <laughs> rather watch Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider. I've, I got them recently on 4K. They came out uh, new. And uh, I... W- I I like them in a way. I would I would almost say they're a guilty pleasure because they're a bit crap, but they're <laughs> actually fun to watch. But they so remind you of that time like they they've not they're pretty old old fashioned kind of. They go for they go for the sexy shot all the time. This movie doesn't really do that, does no, it? It's not There is not a lot of that, which is good. Yeah, well, but if you go back and watch Angelina Jolie's Tomb Raider, it's like looking at her boobs and she's got, you know, lipstick on all the time. It's kind of Sexualized. I mean, this is in its own grungy way. So let's not pretend like she's not an attractive young lady and they're trying to capitalize on that in some way. Because mm-hmm. it's obvious, but it's not like overt. It's, yeah, it's not, not like um, opening of Transformers, we'll say that. Yeah. And even, like I say, watching the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raiders recently, she wears loads of different outfits. She wears lots of skimpy outfits. It's, it's quite clear they were going for... <laughs> If you go back to the very first Tomb Raider games, the original model of Lara Croft on the PlayStation was modeled with giant boobs. If you if you go and look at it, it it's kind of ridiculous looking because her boobs are almost bigger than a head. <laughs> but it was... I've, I've watched like the history of Tomb Raider and it was literally the programmers going, well, if she has massive boobs, men will buy this game, right? That, that's what, we, what we'll do. Yeah. This, this isn't that. They, I've, I've actually gone away from all that. But yeah, she's still attractive, but it's not honing in on the sex appeal. She's not got little shorts on, for Then again, it might just be a new modern sex appeal that we're not, you know? Well, like fil- maybe that's what's sexy now is she's girls dirty and grungy. Pants. She's a little bit tomboyish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. that could be it, which is, you know... Yeah. But doesn't feel like that's the focus, so no. that's why I like it. But those other movies, it does feel like that's the focus, but it's also part of the charm of those movies. They're a bit kind of of the time. So, yeah, I do appreciate how it's put together, this movie. It technically looks... It's good, apart from some bad CGI. There oh, is some, some really bad CGI. some, like, bad green screeny um, stuff. Absolutely. Which is mostly that plane sequence when she's hanging on the plane. Oh, there's a lot uh, in the jungle. She's running, and I'm like, that's so bad. It was just so bad. But um, when it comes down to like the tomb raiding part in the tomb, it's actually pretty cool. When she, when they yeah. actually when they actually walk into the tomb and you see it's like a giant um, Japanese like house inside the tomb. Yeah, that was cool. Like a temple. 
Yeah, it looks really cool. And you know what? In the first Tomb Raider game, this it isn't exactly this story. But that actual, when you walk in and you see that Japanese temple, that's actually just a side mission in that Tomb Raider game. It's not actually part of the main plot. But what I was just reading is the actual main plot of this movie, which is, can you remember what her name was? Kyoko or something, the Japanese lady. Hikoma? Yeah, well, she's like a, this Japanese mummy, would you say? Like, Yeah. And that's like the focus of this movie, you know, like what is she and why is she in there? And, you know, a power, has she got powers or hasn't she? Well, that's actually going to be the main story of the third game, which hasn't come out yet. It's coming out, coming out this fall. So <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Like, I already know the story now. I just watched the movie. So um, did you like where that went, the main plot of this? Kind of. It felt Tomb Raider-ish for sure, didn't it, towards the end there? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like I've said it many times. Um, when a movie doesn't commit to one thing or the other, this movie isn't super grunge and dark and dingy and terrible and gut-wrenching mixed in with the tomb raiding. Like, the guy, bad guy's bad, and he's happy to murder someone right in front of everyone to keep everyone working, and you know, like a slave driver, kind of a horrible human being. Because his job is to get this thing acquired. But then again, you see very little blood. You see very little of anything else to indicate that he's... That it's a chronic, like, scary, imposing, menacing bad guy. So that don't commit to that. And also the idea of she's tomb raiding and we're gonna... One person believes it's something mystical and magical and everybody else thinks that's a bunch of shit and, you know, it's just a treasure to find. But there's no commitment either way. Our resolution, as we've said, the spoiler, is non-magical. But then the thing of it has no explanation whatsoever. There's no, you know, nothing in the real world to explain that thing. But then they haven't also made even one line of dialogue to say... Oh, that's the magical disease of the whatever a million years ago. Like, there's nothing. It doesn't commit to say one thing or the other. And that part I dislike. Yeah, it's it's almost like the, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, Correct. You know, like, for, for the stakes that hinge on it, a father's always say, oh, it's my life's work. I've got to find out this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. For what it actually boils down to, it's like, I was like, that's your life's work? <laughs> It's a bit, it's a bit anticlimactic. Like, are you happy with that conclusion? Because it's not a good conclusion. Um, also, they do something different with Lara. Obviously, if you followed any of the Lara Croft stories, they're always similar. Um, a father often dies in these stories, even in the comic book versions. Often he's not dead, and she finds him somewhere, and they they go the exact route here again. Right? It's kind of it's kind of crappy, the story between them. It's not... Um, spoilers. <laughs> um, a dad is dead, and then he's alive, and then he's dead, right? <laughs> um, it's not really complicated, but it's... I didn't care. Like, I, like when he's dying... You I know, think because you're anesthetized to this particular part of the story, story yeah. I really do. Cause because I know, I know that Lara has to lose a father to become who she is. Correct. She can't be motivated without this horrible loss in her life. And, for that's, sure. and, and this is the, the first movie of this trilogy, I guess, that is setting up Lara. Like, 
how does she become the Tomb Raider? Well, this incident is how she becomes. Yeah. Lose her father. This, then this iteration, yeah. Yeah, and then she goes to a pawn shop and buys some guns, and then she's the Tomb Raider. <laughs> I was like, really? We're, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of boring, but hey. But that, actually, <laughs> right at the end of, um, they do that in the other movies as well, the Angelina Jolie ones. They, they, they set up like, oh, she doesn't have the guns, and now she does have the guns in that kind of way. But in this way... See, Nick Frost is in this movie, <laughs> very briefly. I call him Shaun of the Dead, even though he's not Shaun of the Dead. And don't you the... feel like those two scenes with him feel like they're from another movie? It doesn't feel like the same tone Absolutely. as Absolutely, it doesn't fit no. at all. It feels like it's from like the comedy version of Tomb Raider <laughs> that's not this movie. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow this is like... Really? This is like a scene from Shaun of the Dead, all of a sudden. Like, Correct. Like, even his wife is acting kind of, like, cheesy and weird. Correct. It just seems weird. Like, so, it has a bit of a tonal issue, especially when they're trying to be funny and then it's not funny. The part at the beginning where she's, like, where they're trying to make out, oh, well, she, has, she doesn't have any money, so she has to, what? She's, like, one of those Uber bike things. She is chosen. Now, this is another issue I have. Just like I used to have an issue with Bewitched. Right? Samantha Stevens is a witch. She can have anything she wants in the whole world. And yet she chooses because she doesn't want to have to use that witchcraft to do things like do the laundry and clean the house. And always I was like, are you insane? Like, I'm not saying you should go out and like dominate the world with your witchcraft. However, if you can sit and watch TV all day and twiggle your nose and all the chores get done well hell yeah so i never bought into that and i don't buy into this no lara's in the mind of and also just because she didn't sign the papers doesn't mean that her father's estate would not have been accommodating to her no so 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 the whole thing here is like a father's dead at the beginning um she hasn't signed the will the will and testament papers because she she's like no i'm fending for myself in the world well no she's like as soon as she signs them she's admitting that he's dead dead yeah yeah but she also also she's going around she's delivering food on a bike she's not to like poor people that's just her job she's a courier yeah (laughs) and now and we also establish that she's working or she's being a boxer in a little boxing club or whatever the, the whole reason for that scene is so later on we know that she can fight a guy correct I mean, it's just a setup for another scene, and it's really kind of telegraphed so openly. You're like, as soon as you see a boxing at the beginning, in your in in my movie mind, I'm like, okay, later she's gonna have to fight somebody like like in this style. Oh, and guess what? She does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the- We're nitpicking because you know when there are flaws, the nitpicking happens. What did you think of the bike fox chase? Boring. I mean, it was kind of cool, but I really thought it was kind of boring. You know me. I don't like car chases. Explain the bike fox chase. Um, if I can, there's this stupid game amongst bicyclists. Bicycle couriers, couriers. I don't know. You strap a can of paint on the back of your bike. You poke a hole in it. You get a five-second head start. And if any of your fellow biking idiots catch you before your paint runs out, then I don't know what happens. But if you outrun them, you get $600 or quid. 600 pounds. Yeah, I don't know what happened. So, if they do catch you, what? Everybody keeps their money? Like, I don't understand the game. I thought it was really boring and really lame and trying 
too hard to capitalize on what seems to me an old trend of this bike courier shit. I don't know. It just seemed really boring. I was ready for it to be over after it got started. Well, well, they 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 kind of made it they they kind of made it clear in that locker room talk that whoever's the fox has no chance against us. So basically, yeah. But then what? The okay, to- if they don't catch you. Well, they were saying that it's impossible for somebody right. not My to... Right, my point is, the game is this. Everyone chips in some money, and one person gets to be the fox. If the fox outruns everyone, the fox gets the money. So what happens if you catch the fox? Nothing. Cause right, they, they it's hope just it never stupid. Happens. Nobody went... Does the person who catches the fox get the money? I don't know. It just seemed really lame. It's, it was just... Trying a, too hard to be cool, yet again. And I'm sure that game does not exist. It doesn't <laughs> seem like a game that exists. Also, it seems like a game... That is against the law because you're actually vandalizing and graffiti. Oh, totally vandalizing and yeah. like running over people. I mean, knocking people down. It was terrible. Also, painting a line on a public highway all the time. That's what I thought. On the streets and <laughs> through the thing. And she jumped on somebody's truck. Were they not aware that she was... Yeah. I mean, it, it looked cool in a movie in a movie kind of way. And it was filmed and shot well. It just seemed like a weird thing to me. It's like... Lara Croft, like, what, what's she doing? Like, why is she doing this? Yeah. Because she needs 600 quid? No, come on. So, yeah, they, they tried to play all that at the beginning. So, uh, like I've said what I like good about it. What I like about it is some of the action scenes. The Tomb Raiding part I actually quite liked. And she is almost perfect for me for this version of Tomb Raider. What do you love about or like? Or I have to love or like her? I don't have any other No, options. I mean, what do you like? <laughs> what are your likes in this movie? Oh, I just think it's a it's a fun real adventure. I mean, it's not a widespread adventure. It's pretty limited, really, when you think about it. Um, I just think it's a bit of just plain old like razzle dazzle fun. And I like I like the the hint that you might run into something like magical and mysterious. I mean, you they will. don't deliver on that, but you I like the idea. Yeah, I feel like. They held back because this is the first movie, and then it will get progressively larger, the actual scope Right. Of it. And yes, when you say you, you like the idea of maybe running into something magical, <laughs> you will 100% run into something magical, because that is what Tomb Raider is. like. So um, that's going to happen in the next one, if the next one gets made, because I was just looking, and this didn't do particularly well. I, and I understand why. I totally understand why. It's not super compelling to me. Um... To watch another, like, because I didn't buy into her deciding not to be the rich kid. I think they were trying too hard to separate her from that, you know? That instantly made it like, ugh, you know? Yeah. And what did you think of the other Tomb Raider movies? Um, I don't remember fully what I thought of them exactly. I mean... So I don't know. Well, exactly what I think is the first one is like really small scale and kind of cheesy. The second one opens up and it's quite a big adventure. It goes all over the place. So like it has big stunts in it. The second one's like a huge improvement on the first one. It, you might remember that on the second one, there's a really cool stunt where they jump off the top of a skyscraper in wingsuits and land in the bay in China. Remember that? Yeah. That's really cool. There's some really cool sequences in that movie. But uh, again, the first one's really small, like this one is. It's all in one place, pretty much. And the second one is like this big kind of James Bond all over the world adventure. It goes to Siberia, goes all over the place. So I feel like that's what they're trying to do here as well. Start off small. And it does feel small, this movie, doesn't it? Even though it is in London. Yeah, to me it does, definitely. Yeah, you're in London at the beginning. But, you know, 
we've all seen some stuff. You know, she drives a, a bike around the streets of London, and then we're it, we're almost immediately on the well. Where where do we go next? China was it China? That's Japan. Japan, and then she gets on a boat, and then we're on an island. The entire movie, then, right? That's it. Pretty much, yeah. Island. I mean, and the island is supposed to be imposing and scary like we're trying to do with King Kong movies, you know, now where it's like, oh, as you approach the island. And that was kind of lame as well, unfortunately. Yeah. It's not, funnily enough, the actual first um, Tomb Raider game that this is based on is actually way more kind of aggressive and um, atmospheric. There's a lot of... There's a lot of it that takes place during a big storm with lightning and everything. They don't really go there in this. There's a part where the bad guy, who in this movie, like I say, is like a cartoon. In the original game, there's a part where it's kind of implied that he's kind of sexually doing something. He's mm. about to, before mm. she kind of gets away from him. Mm. That makes him feel really intimidating, this guy. Because he's, you know... But this guy in this movie, they didn't go there. They just went, well, this guy will just shoot somebody at the drop of a hat, so therefore you, you'll be scared of him, right? Yeah. Which is just like any James Bond villain, where, <laughs> where they like all of a sudden just shoot somebody and you're like, okay, this guy's a nutter, that's it. So, um, yeah, it's um, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, weirdly. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing unenjoyable about it. It's just that it entertained me. And I liked seeing her do You'd her thing. forget it pretty quick, though, right? Exactly. The story doesn't do anything for me. You know, it's just missing some, like, in the thing about not being... It either needs to be super goofy and comic booky for me, or it needs to be really serious and, like, menacing and dark. And this those tries my... to do both of the things. Both of those things. But in a very, in a very like... Like, the, the goofy, funny parts are about 5% of the movie, and the rest is not. So those goofy, funny parts, like like I say, they don't feel like they even belong in this movie. It's weird. They feel like they belong in the other movie, the the Angelina Jolie movies. <laughs> so moving on to the cast, Alicia Vikander plays Lara Croft. You know, she's Oscar-nominated actress, also similar to Angelina Jolie. What do you think of uh, Alicia? I liked her. I mean, I think there were times when she was a bit too... Um, I don't know. I, I don't know the word for it. I d- like... Again, they're trying too hard to make her not, you know, the stereotypical vampy type of leading woman, which is fine. It's just that it goes the other way sometimes where she's too, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I'd have, I'd have liked to see more of a struggling on her own like she does in the game, like actually struggling. You know when she like, you know when she falls off the plane thing and stuff and then there's a bit of metal sticking in her? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a big deal in the game. She's actually... I know, but this isn't the game. She's actually suffering from that wound. And it actually actually makes her weak in the game. Like, it actually is a story beat. Like, that she... You know, she's not a superwoman anymore. She's, like, injured really badly. In this movie, it kind of comes and goes, that, doesn't it? It's like, oh, she's been stabbed. Oh, Yeah, but I don't think it's fair to compare, so... No, but I mean, what I mean is, it's almost like she's not... There isn't as much of a struggle on her own at all. Like, she she goes off, she gets on that plane thing, and then she's back with them all. Yeah, you don't um, see a lot of backstory of her getting to where she's going. It's like one second she's in the city, and then boom, she's on the island, kind of. I mean, yeah. you get the boat drama, but... 
it's not moves that around, it moves fast, like, um, but also choppy. Um, Dominic West plays a father, Richard Croft. I actually hated him. <laughs> God. I would say hated Dang. him as the, the father. Um, he was the part where he was in the cave where she finds him. And yeah. And he's got that crappy wig on and everything. It just felt really like, it felt like he was, um, his acting was bad. That's all I'm saying. It was a little unconvincing. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, and Dominic West is like a, you know, he's a decent actor. I've seen him in stuff where he's been all right. But in this, it seemed like he was, I don't know what, I don't know what he was going for. He was going for like crappy video game guy, <laughs> father. Nice. <laughs> like almost, yeah, it, was, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good portrayal of her dad, I didn't think. Especially when he had that weird mullet and everything. And it was pretty hardcore. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Um, so, yeah, I give Dominic West two thumbs down <laughs> for him. Um, the bad guy is played by Walton Goggins, Matthias Vogel. And he is in the games, too. Um, he's, he's a bit more sinister in the games than this guy plays him. But I did think, even though it's comic, it's very comic booky. this baddie. Bond villain, almost. But kind of... No, not even Bond villain. Like Bond um, henchman. Like not even yeah, the, not even totally. the top of the tree, like just some some guy down the line a little bit. Um, but he he did have a little bit of menace to him. But then he also came across as an idiot. Like anybody to me, I was like, you could outfox this guy in a second. He's not very clever. Like all the people who he's who he's kind of like got working for him, they're all basically his slaves. Yes. When they when they awful. start a little uprising, he's just stood at the top of the thing firing his gun randomly down down at them. I'm like, you're gonna die in a second, dude. You, you you're not even behind anything. It's just you're just a very bad buddy. <laughs> like not bad buddy. Like not very good at being a buddy. Um they're just all gonna kill you in a minute. <laughs> Unfortunately they didn't. But um yeah, he's a bit too comic booky. Daniel Wu plays Lou Ren. And he is the guy who she meets and he brings her to the... Well, he takes her on the boat. What do you think of him? I liked him. I would like to have seen more of him. Yeah, like, even in the other movies, she, um, Lara had a henchman of some kind. Or a, or not a henchman, a um, partner of some kind. Usually a dude. Michael Fassbender was one of them, I think. But um, this guy seemed interesting, but then he's underutilized the entire time. Absolutely. He's like, oh, he's one of the slave guys. He's, he's been enslaved to do this archaeology just for free. And then he, he gets a gun and uh, then you see him at the end. Like, it, there's not really much to it. It's really like he would have been good in the tomb with them, right? Yeah, yeah. definitely. But, they needed to use him more for sure. They didn't use him there. And then I really love Kristen Scott Thomas. She's uh, from one of my favorite movies, Bitter Moon. And she plays Anna Miller here. Again, she's super underutilized, but um, I believe in the next movie she's probably going to be like given a proper part, right? What do you think of Kristen? She was all right. I, I mean, really like kind of, her. I like her, but in yeah. this, she was nothing. I mean, it's not I mean, fair to say it, it mattered. It's clear she's going to be somebody, though, right? Yeah. Um, but not yet. We have to wait for that or not. Maybe we don't get her. This is directed by a guy called Raw Uthog, and he directed a movie called The Wave which is a surfing movie from what I could tell. And that is it. It's an action movie. So he's not like a well-known guy. Um, but 
as far as directing, this movie is really well made. Like I say, it's cinematography is good. It doesn't suffer from that, like, oh, let's do everything in shaky cam. It's all really smooth. It's all really well lit. The only thing that lets it down is the CGI, but that's not a cinema. That's not a director's thing, is it? You know, he doesn't do the CGI, so yeah. But as far as technically, this movie is really well made. I I, I was looking at it a lot, going, "Wow, this is like better than it should be." Like for this kind of movie, I don't know. I feel like it was pretty. I don't know. I don't think I agree hundred percent. I just couldn't believe how like non gloomy like even when it was a gloomy shot it was actually well lit i was like wow you don't usually see this they usually just try and hide stuff in the shadows and this wasn't doing that it was just all clear and very sharp like it was well filmed but like i say the cg it's not quite so good it's obviously like the budget on the cg was a little bit lower than you would expect (laughs) in one of these movies so extras on the 4k disc there are a few there's uh, Lara Croft, The Evolution of an Icon. This actually is pretty good. It um, charts like like Tomb Raider over the 20 years or so it's been going. And it shows you how they went from video games to movies and now back to movies. There's also Croft Training. And that's uh, Alicia Vikander. And you get to see her in the gym and doing some boxing practice. Uh, she obviously had to... I think, it's, I think they said she had to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Because she isn't actually that kind of... She's not physically fit like that. Um, and then there's uh, Tomb Raider Uncovered, which is actually about the plot of the movie. And then Breaking Down the Rapids, which is a the director um, shows you how they do the plane where she's hanging on the waterfall bit. Right. Which, um, uh, spoilers, this is what happens. <laughs> Alicia Vikander, there is a green screen and she hangs on a thing in front of a green screen. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and that uh, sounds amazing. That's what happens. Yeah. So they're pretty ordinary extras, to be honest. But um, if you're a fan of the game games, you won't learn anything new. But they do try to go into the history of Tomb Raider a little bit for the people who don't play the games. So um, conclusion on Tomb Raider: What would you say? think it's a good time it's fun i'm nitpicky because i say it didn't you know like pacific rim whatever it was called last week it's just a hundred percent i'm in like it's it sold me and other people would be like that's the dumbest movie ever this one is awesome that's fair but this one didn't suck me in so it's a good time but yeah it's very forgettable i'm already thinking like a lot of it's gone from my brain except for the actual tomb part yeah and I like the uh, the cover to this movie is awesome. It looks like the like a new game, a new Tomb Raider game. I was like, wow, I love the cover. I love the green behind her. The cover promises way more than the movie delivers. Yeah. So, you know, that's unfortunate because <laughs> I was hoping we would get an awesome Tomb Raider, you know, movie. But this is not that movie. It's just, you know, an average action movie that I, th- I feel that you won't... Un- a week later, you won't be able to recall the plot. I agree. But while you watch it, you probably have a fun time. So uh, thanks to Warner for providing us with a review copy. And next week's uh, Blu-ray review is Love, Simon. I actually don't know what that movie is at all. Have you heard of this movie? No. Love, Simon? Me neither. I have not. So uh, I'm interested to uh, go into a movie that I have no idea what it is. So 
We'll be looking at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Tomb Raider. I'm going with Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider The Cradle of Life. Uh, both just released recently by Paramount. You can pick them up. Um, and they've been given the 4K remaster, so they look nice. And uh, my other one is on the subject of um, Alicia Vikander, uh, Ex Machina, which she played a robot in, and she was awesome. Yeah. That was the movie she got Academy nominated for. Um, so yeah, those are mine. Ex Machina and the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies. Yours are? Mine are, I'm um, going to go with something a little different, and I was thinking, you know, She's not a crime solver, necessarily, but that sort of, like, mysterious thing that she can tap into finding, you know, artifacts and all that stuff is kind of mysterious and interesting. And I think Sherlock Holmes... The Guy Ritchie. No, all of it. I I listen to the Sherlock Holmes radio shows from, like, the 30s and 40s, even up to the 50s, I think, maybe 60s, I don't know, and... It's all the same, even as the newer ones and the movies that have happened over the last several decades, um, and even with Iron Man. It's just this person who, it isn't magic, but there's something magical about like the way that they write him to solve things, and I just find that equally fascinating as the idea of someone who would go around the world to try to unlock the secrets of you know human history and archaeology and all that. And then uh, my other one is not because of this movie, but because we were watching a TV show where it reminded me of Kill Bill. The bride in Kill Bill at one point does a thing where it's like, do you know? Which TV show? Uh, Humans. Where uh, Niska is supposed to be like, they've taken away all of her motor function. Niska in Humans is an android. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. AI, but she's fully aware, sentient being, but one of her fellow uh, android people, since, as they call them in the show, has turned off all of her motor functions because he's maniacal and horrible and he wants to, like, shut her down, but he's made her brain work, but not any of her body. She's just sitting there, like, frozen, like he's turned off her body, and she somehow starts to move her hand really slow, and he's like, you you shouldn't be able to do that, and that just reminded me of the bride when she's, like, looking at her toe, and she's in that car, and she's like... Just move, you know, just she wills herself to like be able to get up out of there. And that's why. So Kill Bill and I'll say Humans, the TV show, the British TV show and Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, we like we said, we're enjoying Westworld and oh, yeah. Humans at the moment. We are because we have a shared brain. Yeah. So we uh, equally enjoy things. And both of those <laughs> we're like it. We what used to be in the zombie phase of uh, entertainment, didn't we? Zombies were the thing. Sure. Oh, but, zombies are still my thing. But yeah. I mean, just in general. And now, like, it seems we're going into the AI. Correct. AI is after us now. Correct. Because so, <laughs> we just played Detroit Become Human a couple of weeks ago, which is that story. Westworld is that story, and Humans is also that story. They're all pretty much the same story, aren't they? <laughs> um, we, as humans, <laughs> will get some AI that's supposed to help us and make our lives better, but that AI will become increasingly pissed off with us because we're just using them, and finally they will yep. rise up and kill us. <laughs> that's always the story. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have a different story, but still, it's still good. It is an interesting story. Until, like, you know, they ruin it by just keep doing it over and over, and we're all like, oh, God, can we get back to zombies? 
or vampires or werewolves yeah. or some whatever the next thing is going to be. Well, I think that um, apocalyptic world is going to come around in the next five years again, like real post-apocalyptic kind of stuff. Yeah, probably. I mean, it all comes around, right? It does. We'll be we, back we, to we, Dracula. We, we don't have a lot of stories that we tell. <laughs> we try to tell them in different ways, but come on, you know. All right, so um, a Scully stuff. I've been playing precisely one game this week. Um, but I want to mention that the Steam sale starts today. Can't get it to load properly today because it's being hammered by everybody. But if you go to Steam and you're a PC gamer, there's a lot of games for like a dollar or under five dollars. Um, what I do with Steam is any games that I find interesting, I go on Steam and I add them to my wish list because there's a wish list on there. And then I just leave them on the wish list. And then when a Steam sale comes around, I look at that list and go, well, I was definitely interested in that game. How much is it? Oh, it's a dollar. I'll get it now. You know, so. That might be a good way to do the Steam sale. Instead of looking through everything, just over time, just add all the games you like to your list, and then you have a big list of things that you probably want to buy. But uh, yeah, it's on now, and you can uh, buy really cheap games. The Steam sale is uh, renowned for having major deals. Like I'm talking like games that normally cost $40, a dollar. <laughs> so you right. know, if you're looking for cheap games, that's your place. Because that's a good discount. Um, and uh, I've been playing this precisely one game. It's Life is Strange After the Storm. It's the prequel to Life is Strange, um, which is it's kind of like a Telltale game, but it's made by Square Enix, also the creators of Tomb Raider. And it's this game. It's nothing. It's not a game about superheroes. It's not a game about somebody with powers. It's, um, I would say, Teenage Girls Simulator. Do you think that's accurate? Sounds like it. It's a story about a teenage girl who's dealing with a lot of crap. And it's one of, it's like a telltale game. You get presented with options and you kind of shape the way the dialogue goes, like Detroit, Become Human. And it's really, it's just this story of a girl called Chloe. She's a, she's in high school and things are not going great for her in her family life. And she's kind of rebellious and you shape her story, and it's nothing outrageous. She's not like a superhero. She's nothing. She's a girl. She's nothing. You have to kind of, you know, make a life. You either make a life better, or you make it worse. You get given lots of huge choices along the way, and uh, it's four episodes long, like these Telltale type games are. Each episode's about two hours long. I'm up to the middle of episode two, and I'm really enjoying it because it's a bit refreshing from the other games play a lot of games and it's either zombies or you know superheroes or whatever like there's always a something to kill or something's going to kill you but in this the biggest threat is like your mum's got a new boyfriend and he's a bit of a dick <laughs> that's the threat like you know it's not like it's like more realistic than anything else so give it a try if you like these kind of uh, choose your own adventure kind of games because it is a well done one it looks good and the sound it's got some really cool music it's called Life is Strange After the Storm, and guess what? It's in the Steam sale. I think it's five bucks, so pick it up. So, Sito, what's for dinner today? Today is going to be something I made that was so delicious. I went to a place called Soul Taco. Soul Tacos? Soul Taco. Midwestern thing. I don't know if it's a chain any bigger than that. It was in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. I just found it in a little shopping mall thingy, and I got a goji bowl, which was... 
rice with salad and a really good dressing. What does goji bowl mean? I do not know. G-O-J-I. I didn't even look it up. But you could get a burrito or a taco because it's soul tacos. It's like a fusion of apparently Korean food or Thai food combined with the taco idea or the burritos. I just got the bowl. It was humongous and had rice, loads of lettuce, all different kinds of a really good dressing, all kinds of some really hot, <laughs> spicy um, uh, paste, and then a really cool sauce that went on the side. On top of that was fried crunchy bits of tofu. We're vegetarian, in case you wonder why I'm telling you about the food. And on top of that was a fried egg. We are not vegan. We are vegetarian. So we still eat eggs. And it was, I mean, it's one of those times when, I, I mean, I love food anyway. You know, If you know me, I'm round. I'm happy to be around if it is because of lovely food. And this was delicious. So last night I made the salad, um, found some really good dressing. I got pre-cooked bags of rice. I wasn't really feeling super energetic, but you got brown rice. I got like quinoa and stuff, put it on there with the fried egg on top. And what did you think of it? I loved it. I love brown rice. I can definitely say brown rice is better than white rice. It is not, but that's a different debate. Uh, it's a different <laughs> discussion. But it was so good and so satisfying. And it was huge, right? The plate's covered with, like, salad with some rice and the egg and then um, some croutons. And it just was delicious. And so that's what we're having again. I would also make the argument that brown bread is better than white bread. It is not, but hey. You know, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you're entitled to think whatever you want. All right. So uh, finally, what is your advice? My advice is, let me look it up here because I forgot already. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not going to make any sense. And often, if you've listened to much of my advice, you'll be like, yeah, that's nothing new. But I feel like, I don't feel it. I think it. I know it. We're all taught a thing a way to be in our lives by the people around us, parents, teachers, our culture, our society, in the house we live in, the community, the school we go to, the neighborhood we live in, right? It's all it's all designed to keep producing the same ideas and the same people will call them values the, and ideas about how to be and how to dress. And, you know, every community has pockets of behavior. You know, over there are the artsy people and over there are the bikers and over there is the bad part of town and over there's the rich part of town and all that. Well, if you're in it from your whole life and you're being taught that sort of pressure cooker of stuff and it's not you, like your, your personality is who you are and those things may not always connect. You might have an experience or learn something that in your life makes you feel like you want to push against that. It's almost like humans, Detroit, becoming human Detroit, where they're locked in, you know, their AI, and yet at some point something triggers them and they have to push out of that construct around them. And if you feel that and it's safe to do so, and you feel like in your life you have to break free, then break free, but not with like, this is going to sound super hokey, and you're probably looking at it right now, but like without fury and blindness. Like don't break free being pissed off at everybody because of how you've been taught and it's all wrong and everybody's full of shit. We've all go through that phase if you do it. And without blindness, that what the new thing you're trying to experience or the thing you're breaking free from, just because you feel enlightened or that you've thought of a new way to be doesn't you can't be blind to the fact that other people are still living their lives either in that way of thinking 
or in the new way of thinking that you're going to pursue or that you're going to, you know, break free into. I don't know how else to describe it. But just like, it doesn't have to be a big, huge thing. You know, I know people whose families, you know, they're super religious and then they have a kid who's doesn't, it doesn't work for them. And they break free with what I think of like fury and they're blind to like, uh, any compassion or understanding of the people around them. And so they go completely the other way, either violent or criminal or unfortunately get into, you know, heavy drug use or just like, like this fury of, I can't do that. I've got to do something different. And so they kind of break their whole life just to break out. And I think if you can take a breath and be like, I don't, belong in this life necessarily. I need to make some changes and kind of break free with some thought and find a balance between all the things you've been taught and the new way you want to live your life. And I'm only talking to the people who totally get what I'm saying because everybody else will be like, wow, you're yeah, what, what the hell are you talking about? But there'll be at least one person who's like, yep, I get what you're saying. It's impossible for me, or I can't do it, or it's easy to say, impossible to do. It's never impossible, but, you know, if you're going to change your life, get out of a bad marriage, get out of a bad job, get out of a circumstance, move out of your snotty neighborhood, or your bad neighborhood that you don't like, bad is subjective, but you don't have to do it and leave damage and destruction in your wake. You don't have to abandon people, necessarily. You don't have to then go seek out something to replace it because any new invention, any new way of life that you go find, like say you decide to become hardcore vegan, well, that hardcore vegan life is all of a sudden going to have its own constraints and controls and rules and pressure to be that, you know? And the lady from that show kind of reminded me because we just watched the show that's on um, uh, Taste Maker or Taste Make or something like that channel. Taste Made. And her show is raw and vegan, but not gross. But in there, she's using some maple syrup. And she goes, I know, I know. Maple syrup isn't raw, but people just get over it. (laughs) Where she's in the world of eating vegan and promoting the idea of veganism or raw. And yet she does use honey in one episode and she uses maple syrup in one. And yet her approach is, if you don't want to eat it, don't eat it. She makes her own rules. Well, her own rules for her and whatever your level of commitment to the thing is or your the way you're doing your new idea, you know, your new lifestyle. You know, anything that's not overtly going out there to, like, damage humanity or the world. I just think, you know, break free if you need to from where you're at, but do it in a, a way that doesn't just break your life. All right, well that said. Is, that is Succinct all. Succinct and great. Succinct. That's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> we need to look up succinct and find out the definition. So um, you can catch us on ascoli.com and sidtalk.com. You can catch this, uh, well, you can catch us on social media also, Twitter and Facebook, SidTalk and Ascoli. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed. Go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. It has all the subscription options there. You can also catch us on the uh, Amazon uh, device, you know, a word, as we like to call it, so we don't trigger yours off. Just say, listen to After the Show Movie (laughs) Podcast on TuneIn, and it will play you the latest episode straight from your Amazon smart speaker. We're also on YouTube, and you can email feedback to me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email SidTalk. 
And finally, I mean, you can, but you know, good luck with that. Yeah, stay classy, Lara Croft. Um, hopefully, there there does get another one of these made, and it is slightly better. There does get another one of these made. Yeah. That sounds like some instructions I've been reading in some it, items. I got I've been that buying. from. <laughs> I got that from a Chinese. I'm not knocking people manual. whose English is not their first language. I understand it's tricky to try to write in another language, but seriously. If you manufacture products and you know you're going to sell them to the whole world, find someone who speaks all those languages very fluently and your language. And so when you write down the instructions, it sounds like I would understand it fully. That, that's all I'm saying. And I'm going to say think for yourself or someone will definitely do it for you. Oh.